Hey, everybody, it's the Digital Bytes podcast. We're going to talk about Team Blockchain. We're going to bring on Johnny Fry and myself. And later on, we have a special guest who's uh, who's a lot like me. We'll talk about him later. But you should know, this is our 30th episode for this season. We wow. Are, we are, yeah, we're banging them out, man. Well, well, James, I was—I must admit—I was really—I um, was really surprised when you told me um, around Thanksgiving, Spotify um, contacted you and said that um, Digital Byte Show is in the top eight percent of all news content that Spotify put out. So we're obviously banging out some a lot of content and getting some really good feedback from people uh, as we talk about how, where, who, when, and why people are using blockchain technology and digital assets. And this is something we've been doing since 2018, and we're doing a regular weekly show together. Blimey, James, must be over three years since we stopped doing it with our dear friend Pierre Bork, who unfortunately passed away on blockchain radio. So it's been a while we've been doing it. Hey, remember Pierre was was big on the, uh, he used to say, you can earn crypto while you learn about crypto. I've got to keep <laughs> that alive. Absolutely. Well, yeah, but that's exactly what you're doing with Cyber.fm. You've done some fantastic work, and you're... You, you you never talk about yourself, James. You know, just just tell me what what have you done with the United Nations? Because that is pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, we don't talk about that enough, really. And uh, in fact, the United Nations acts re- reached out to me. Oh, it's on my list of things to do, asking for feedback and what people think. But what and that I appreciate that as well. But yeah, we are the only, as far as I know, to the best of my knowledge, we are the only streaming radio application that that would even be allowed to be installed on a mobile device that enters the united nations right so the, we are they came to us we did not go to them uh because i remember the weird feeling of like oh my god what, what's happening so the united nations, almost like an alien yeah right like this is unheard <laughs> of i am i able to walk into the united nations like how you doing so they approached us and they said we would like Cyber FM to be a dedicated news affiliate to uh, hand because they have I think we have about 15 different languages. We have the United Nations in Mandarin, Russian, US English, um, Australian, Canadian, English, Scottish, Welsh. We have right. And uh, what's the man on a white Hindi is is that India? Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, I can't hear them all because I don't know what I'm what I'm hearing. But I the the U.S. news out of the United Nations, they do cute little podcasts, too, that are just some of them are fun. It's good stuff. The United Nations uh, choosing us kind of cemented that we're doing something right. Well, that's good. And and you and people listening to this show on Cyber FM, they're earning loyalty points in the form of a cryptocurrency. Yeah, we're we're teaching them how to manipulate and use. Is that a good word? Manipulate? You know, manage crypto and uh, on their own terms, right? So eventually one day, you know, you need gas money to move crypto and all that technology, but they've already got some saved up, ready to go. So it's, you know, we're not Bitcoin, but... We're we're about the mass adoption and the education, which I think James, this podcast and, and the newsletter does as well. But James, this is it's all it's all very relevant because um, 
there's a lot of acronyms and, and get, get thrown around when any, any new technology. And, and you have these things called NFTs, i.e. non-fungible tokens. Monkeys. Which is a pretty complicated idea. But essentially, as we've said before, they're no more than a digital certificate. So it's a certificate conveying the fact that there's information held in a digital format. And because that information potentially is attractive to another person, then you can attach some sort of value to it. But that digital certificate, as we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago, it could be attached to um, a Lamborghini avatar, which was sold off for 1.6 million by um, Sotheby's um, last year. And, and now, we, now we have the situation whereby Sotheby's, the first time in their 300-year history, they actually carried out a Dutch, a Dutch, a Dutch auction, which is basically they started at a very high price and then they reduced the price and reduced the price until buyers suddenly come in. And we saw um, this happening um, just recently for a, a series of NFTs that were sold by Sotheby's in this in this particular style. So you've got a very old fashioned, um, you know, industry business, the auctioneering business that we, we have with Sotheby's adopting not only a new style of selling things off, but also actually selling, you know, in this case, it was NFTs on, 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 on pictures and paintings. So it's very much new, new world and old world, very much colliding together. But in the same way, we saw the Spanish National Museum in Madrid selling Van Gogh um, NFTs. And, and NTT, remember, the Nippon, Telegram, Tele, Nippon Telegraph Telecommunications, huge um, telephone company, they actually had teamed up with the Vatican. And they're currently scanning the, maybe they're scanning the Holy Grail, James. We were talking about UFOs just before we came on the show. Maybe that's what it's all about. They've found the Holy Grail and they're going to sell NFTs. The Pope's ahead of us already. Oh, we're going to have to. Uh... Hey, so you remember, speaking of that, right? Porsche, Porsche, what was the correct term? Uh, had their, what I consider personally a failure in NFTs. You know, for every success, there's a failure. And, but you didn't hear about that FUD, really. But Porsche no. did it. So maybe with the Holy Grail, we bring back like Ezekiel's wheel. <laughs> How cool would that be? Like a unique, an NFT with a number on it and what we imagine Ezekiel's wheel looks like. That would be the Holy Grail of NFTs. <laughs> well, it could well exist. It could well. But I think, joking apart, sometimes we need to put our suspicions and our prejudices aside um, and, and look at what's actually happening in the market. Um, and it's... You know, it's kind of, kind of daft, really. We have a situation at the moment whereby the, the Fed are just introducing this new monetary um, system, this new way of um, money being moved around. But, but bearing in mind the, you know, the USA is, is a very much a global economy, yet they've, they've, they've come out with this Fed now system whereby, first of all, they're only going to allow um, US entities to get involved in it. So if you're not a US entity, you can't get involved in it. And then instead of paying at the moment um, the sort of half a cent that you're currently paying, they're going to charge you four cents. So you're going to pay eight times the, for the privilege. And you kind of think, well, hang on, you've got an old-fashioned way of doing things. You know, in America, 81% of firms are still using paper checks to settle some of their bills. And so you've got the most powerful economy in the world still hanging on almost to sort of you know paper and a quill and 
It's a bit like having a bowler hat walking around the city of London. You say, come on, get real. You know, get a, get a pork pie hat on or, or no hat at all, preferably. So are we selling to, are we really going to sell to these banks? Hey, we don't want you to, you know, use this new fancy technology that's super fast, uh, even though it's going to be about eight times more than what you're spending now. Yeah. yeah. Well, who, who thought of that? Wait, wait a minute. I wasn't even, that's new to me because I was sold on Fed now, right? Uh, no more ACH which, out here. We have that clearinghouse. Yep. Um, if you pay your visa card, it takes three days for them to post the payment because that's how long it takes. So with Fed now, I'd be able to pay my bills immediately. But if you're going to charge my bank more, well, I don't know. Well, have a look. I'll, I'll send you on LinkedIn. But do you remember our old friend, Ify Pilinaro, uh, who's been on the Digital Byte show a few times? She she um she did, did a great article on Medium. So I'll send it over to you. Um, but it, my, my, the reason I wanted to point that out is that, you know, this, our lives, rightly or wrongly, are becoming more and more digitized. And if we're going to see the, the 15.7 trillion economic benefit from artificial intelligence, then you're going to have to have increasing digitization. We've got to take out the intermediaries. We've got to take out the mistakes of human intervention and make things much, much more efficient. That will drive productivity. And that will be beneficial for, for, for everyone. So to do that, it's going to give the digitization of our economy a big, big boost. And having digital cash, having digital funds, having digital ownership of your car and your house to make all of that much, much more efficient, is just it just makes a huge amount of sense. And this isn't about creating um, speculative sort of tokens. That's far from it. But it's saying, OK, so I listen to Cyber.fm or I fly with United Airlines or I shop at Louis Vuitton. I want to be, I want my custom to be rewarded. I don't want to collect stamps and have a, a you know, a rubber, so someone stamping a bit of paper that I keep in my wallet. I want it digital. And then if I want to change that, so in the same way that Cas- Casino, the French supermarket operator, they teamed up with Society Generale. It's okay, well, we're going to swap your, your casino, your supermarket points, and we're going to swap them into a Euro stable coin. Ah, I can sell, I can use, I can spend a euro stablecoin. And that's exactly what they're doing. So we're beginning to see pockets of this. And I suppose that's why people like Nike, um, well, look at Starbucks and Odyssey, what they've been doing, launching a whole NFT program, sorry, metaverse program. And they're not going to go back and write checks or post orders or, you know, giving bits of paper to pay for you for your time and your involvement. Or if you want to do something and buy something. You're going to be doing it digitally because it's so much faster and so much cheaper, but it also presents so many more challenges for the banks, James. Well, it's funny. It's not just the banks because, you know, we did an article here about, you know, AI and blockchain. And um, we talk about Cyber FM, right, where we reward people with the tokens and and they learn about crypto. Mm -hmm. What we don't talk about, so I guess I will talk again, the reason that we came up with this and, and we are rewarding people is because that token does more than just paying you, right? It's a, that's a benefit. It's a perk. You get to go pay your cell phone bill, your mobile phone bill. But we're using the token for we uh, better uh, accountability. We have to audit ourselves. We have to 
we wanted to automate our compliance for auditing ourselves because in streaming radio, we are, we are dependent on being legal with the government. The government demands X, Y, Z every month. We fill yep. out these forms, there's spreadsheets. We have to acknowledge who listened, how long they listened for, and what did they listen to because of copyrights. And for 15 years, we've been saying, I got to give you a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. What our, using just the Ethereum smart contracts, we have a lot more accountability for our accounting. And we don't need to audit ourselves anymore. We literally don't have to audit ourselves. It's all there. So there's your enhanced data analytics alone. Now, if we were to implement artificial intelligence, maybe we could have AI put together a, a format of what we think our listeners will be enhanced. You know, in March, you'll have another 150,000. Something to that effect. But that's this article laid out the silliest of reasons, like Cyber FM, on top of shipping logistics, maybe for FedEx. It's all the same on the block on the back end. Absolutely. So you know, and it's it's comments like you get the sort of Institute of Child Accountants for England and Wales. Um, you know, they're saying AI will reduce the need for accountants. Not sure. Probably yes, but you'll have to redefine what an accountant is. If you're looking at more repetitive bookkeeping, you know, sort of as you're saying, they're audit process driven tasks. They're going to be automated. Um, much much less so the higher value um, tools. Um, you know, PwC, they're saying AI technology are extremely effective at identifying anomalies and irregular trends, making them ideal instruments for addressing fraud and risk. And, and as someone running a business, it's all about managing risk. No matter whether you're regulated or not, you want to make sure that you don't suddenly find have a surprise and say, oh, my goodness, you know, we've run out of a particular stock or we forgot to book a venue or we haven't got the right staff or we've run out of cash. And, and having an extra tool to actually do that and so this combination of using artificial intelligence, um, employing algorithms, which you obviously know a huge amount about, James, from your previous career, but the blockchain technology can, can actually substantially help that and then in turn create these digital certificates of information which other people can find valuable and useful. So take, for example, you know, I, I wear a, a Fitbit and there's no reason why in time I couldn't download my Fitbit information. And if people wanted details about you know, someone of my sort of, um, you know, age and sex and my sort of profile, I could sell my data off my Fitbit and I could sell it for, I don't know, 10p a month or whatever it is. And I could benefit from that. And you multiply that throughout society and you start thinking there's lots and lots of ways that data is going to be captured because artificial intelligence needs it. So those people that got the data will be able to sell it. And I think that's potentially one salvation for the banks. Because the banks have got masses of data. And if they start using AI to crawl all over that data to make the banks more efficient, maybe the banks will then come back and give the fintechs a run for the money. Right. They're playing catch up to summarize that. I, I, I would put it that way. They, if they I'd, play catch up, they might win and uh, change, the, change the normal mainstream uh, of what normal people do. I guess yep. going back to Fed, what Fed now should have done. I'm a little disappointed in the Fed now thing now. 
Yeah, it just it just seems it's a very centralized command and control, just focus on the US. And you think, wow, they had an opportunity here to really embrace the digitization, yet they took a step back. Um, in the same way we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the Chinese created central bank digital currency. They've now realized they've got to go back and redefine what does money mean, because you can't do a peer-to-peer transaction in China. It's illegal. You have to go through a third party. And so the Chinese now have joined that project Embridge, which we were talking about with the Thai and the Saudi government and run out of Singapore, because they know we can't have something which is totally commanded and controlled. We need to have a digital currency that can, you know, adapt and be flexible and actually embrace overseas jurisdictions as well if we're going to get the most out of it. So interesting how you've got that constant sort of yin and yang between centralization and decentralization. And I suppose that means we're still going to have uh, international variants, variables, a spread, if you will. You know, like right now in Forex, you you have, you know, U.S. dollar to uh, the British pound, right? Yep. So yep. China's CBDC might hold a value. Clearly, it's going to be different than, I'd hate to say it, could imagine if Fed now created a, a CBDC, but so... What's new is old and what's old is new. Well, and it goes back to, as we said before, 1863, when prior to that, you had 5,000 different issuers of U.S. dollars. You had shops, you had banks, you had um, cooperatives, you have states. And suddenly, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the Fed said, oh, this is crazy. You know, most of these are just scams. You know, you, you don't really know whether the dollar you've been given by some little outfit called Wells Fargo, does it mean anything? Is it worth anything? Well, no, that one's that one is, but maybe you know, an Italian, Italian uh, frying tiley, you know, that sort of funny radio outfit um, down in Georgia. No, 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 I wouldn't trust them. So they stopped it all and said, no, one U.S. dollar. But if we're not careful, we're going to go back to many issuers of U.S. dollars. But if they're a proper stablecoin, they will be a hundred percent backed by cash in the bank. So they're not. So what we're going to see, and there's an increasing demand for this, is we need to have independent analysis of the credit rating of these stable coins and central bank digital currencies. Are they really what they say they are? Or are they like, dare I say, Tether, where the last assertion, um, they won't like me saying it, but, you know, KPMG came out and said, um, you know, only 67% of the money was in cash, unless it was in loans and gold and Bitcoin and all sorts of lovely stuff, which which is fine. But do you know what you're buying? I think that's that's the main thing. And that's the one thing about blockchain. It gives you that transparency in real time if it's employed in the correct way. I was uh, thinking about, I remember years ago in uh, New York City, little small mom-pop shop like a deli with a delicatessen, mm-hmm. got in trouble for accepting the subway tokens for like <laughs> chocolate bars. So no, yeah. no, you, subway, to- it's literally the same as today. Tokens are reserved for that network. And if you want to buy a chocolate bar, you got to have to use the real coin. And they actually got in trouble for that. God, no Hershey's with your, with your subway tokens. What a travesty. Well, James, we, we, better, we, better, we better shuffle on out. Um, and coming up after the break, we've got Brian Coyne um, from, oh, I'm going to say it wrong again, aren't I? Bonsai, Kazai, 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 I must do it right. And then Brian, known Brian for a while, a long-term uh, derivatives trader who has um, very, very interesting his thoughts around Bitcoin and 
how he used artificial intelligence to try and help him explain to some of his um, fellow hedge fund managers, equity traders, just just general mates about why he thinks Bitcoin is, is still a fascinating and great investment to be considered. But that's coming up after the break, mate. All right, let's get ready to bring him on. Teamblockchain.net, right in front of you the minute it loads up. We don't care how you listen to this show. I'd love for you to listen on Cyber.fm, but let's be realistic. Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeart, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, and you could always say, Alexa, open up Digital Bytes Podcast. We put that right there in the very front, and right next to it, if you have no idea what we're talking about every week, stick your email address in there and actually get the newsletter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Digital Bytes. We're doing uh, part two of our 30th episode for 2023. Getting a little old. And we brought back an old friend who was around back in January of 22, uh, Brian Coyne from Kasai Holdings. And uh, he's going to explain to us how AI is getting us from the moon to maybe Mars. <laughs> Thanks, James. Right, Brian, good to have you back on. I think you're actually, it wasn't January 22, January 21, so it's been a while. So, um, But before we get into your love affair of AI, or, or maybe not, um, it'd be really helpful, I think, just for the regular listeners, just to give a quick overview of, um, you know, your career and what you've done. Because I think it, it's, it puts into context some of the comments which I know I'd like to get into around sort of, you know, Bitcoin and cryptos and stuff like that. Thank you, Johnny. So um, thank you for that introduction. So but basically, I got involved in uh, the crypto market after being a derivative trader for the last 38 years. Uh, prior to being a derivative trader, I was a lawyer. And I think this is all relevant because being a lawyer, I found it a dull, boring environment. And I used to make more money uh, a day than I was making a month as a lawyer by being a day trader. So the derivative world attracted me and I, I've been there and I love it. And I've been doing the exact same job, trading the derivative markets nonstop since nine o'clock you know, September 1986, which I still do today. Um, and what, what, sort of market, what sort of things are you trading, Brian? I, I trade equity derivatives and options there on, on, on indices and single stocks. So I'm, a, I'm an equity fellow, um, emerging markets. I like volatility. I'm used to volatility. And uh, volatility is my friend. This but guy is speaking same, my... Language. This is <laughs> thanks, <zombie>. James. <laughs> so, so, say, so saying that, I um, came across uh, the crypto market in uh, early 2020 and heard about it and didn't believe in it. But I started seeing these young punks driving Lamborghinis and uh, you know going into restaurants, and I couldn't get the favourite seat and I couldn't get the best. Uh, Lobster, because someone else had taken it to crypto paint. And it got me interested in that world. Cut a long story short, I, I decided to do a, a course at the London School of Economics on uh, blockchain and the financial disruption. And I became an avid believer of the blockchain world. So much so that to me, that this is the single best investment I've ever seen since the S&P was... 30,000 points lower. So I, I got involved in the top of the market um, 
you know, around 60,000, I decided to start buying uh, Bitcoin and founded a, a company and, and funded it, which uh, we listed on Aquis, which is called Cassi Holdings. And it invested a portfolio of, of cryptocurrencies. Obviously, that was the top. Um, the market's not seen those halcyon days since. But I'm still a firm believer in the crypto world and the crypto market. And really what we're seeing now is a flush out. If you could just you know, look a little bit further in the horizon. I like to remind my friends that I think at one stage, you're going to correct me on this, Johnny, but it was a couple of hundred thousand and Bitcoin got you a pizza. <laughs> yeah, it was the most expensive pizza ever bought, had they held on to it. Yes, I, th- I think it's the other way around now. I think one Bitcoin gets you a couple of, you know, gets you a fair chunk of pizza. So, you know, the, even though the market's looking terrible, you know, I, I feel that we're on the verge of great things. We've got the BlackRock ETF coming, amongst others. We've got the halving cycle. And we've got the fact that CNBC will publish the price of Bitcoin every day on the bottom right-hand corner of that screen. It's becoming an accepted investment tool. And there's no one that's in it yet of any substance. We've got all, probably most of your listeners, but if you go and ask an investment fund, a fund manager, uh, you know, a mutual fund, or any serious investor that manages other people's money, they generally have zero exposure to this. And, and from an investment point of view, you know, that's very exciting. And from a fact that this is actually uh, a real-world utility that's going to start offering real-world usages, I'm even more excited. You know, 95% of the, the, the crypto out there that I believe is garbage and will fail, but 5% of the projects, uh, and I include Bitcoin and Ethereum, are real. So, you know, the, the, key, the key is to find the real projects and to invest early. And then uh, just enjoy financial freedom. But Brian, you, okay, so there's a couple of things I just want to clarify there. So first of all, um, and I always spell it, I always pronounce it wrong, <laughs> so please do correct me. Kasai, bon, bon, Kasai. Yes. Done it again. Kasai Holden. Oh, no, that's right. You got it. Kasai. 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 Thanks, James. So what this is, this because is, this is a really unusual animal. Um, because it's a it's a what I would call a proper grown up security. It's something quoted on an exchange. The exchange is called Aquis. So certainly anyone in the UK, this is a this is a way you can get exposure to the crypto market in your pension, but not just have a little bit of Bitcoin. It, it's a managed portfolio of cryptocurrencies. That that's number one. But number two, you've had a bit of struggles trying to convince some of your mates why Bitcoin makes sense. And you, you turn to chat GPT to ask them. That's the you? truth. That, 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 <laughs> Johnny, that's the truth. You know, I, I, I'm, all, all, all my friends are traditionally old school investment guys, um, hedge fund managers, mutual funds, uh, traders, equity traders, property developers. And without exception, none of them are interested in the least in crypto and believe it to be a speculative uh, tool for idiots. And, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried and his pals haven't helped. And, uh, you know, they just expect, you know, and they're like, please be careful, Brian. We don't want you to lose all your money. Don't don't go crazy because uh, you're going to come short. And I'm the complete opposite way. And I'm like, guys, 
please just put five or ten percent of your wealth into this because this is this is going to change you. You know, this is Manhattan in the 1800s. This is, you know, it's, it's day one of a bull market like we've never seen. And uh, people look at you like you're a complete lunatic. And I suppose, not that I'm, you know, Elon Musk has must have had that his whole life. And uh, I sort of feel sorry for the fella, although he doesn't feel sorry for me. But um, and, 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 no, and no way am I comparing myself there. But I mean, the, the bottom line is this, this, this whole industry is going to take off and it's just a matter of when. And you need, you need to be involved in order to benefit from it. So coming so, back to CASA. Yeah, you know, my, to CASA. Explain we, a bit about CASA because I'm interested in, in what are they doing sort of under the bonnet. Um, in terms of so, so, so what what happened was Kassai is run by an incredibly clever chap called Jay Patel, who is a, a city trader for many years, London School of Economics graduate, Barclays uh, derivatives, Dresdner, Klein, Benson. You know, he's a as as top notch as you get. And and re- and really and really, what he does is he and the team have a portfolio of crypto assets, which they actively manage. The best way of me describing this, it's like, uh, with no, utmost respect, it's like a Warren Buffett investment strategy. Warren Buffett buys and holds, and people buy Berkshire Hathaway shares. They go one step further. They also hedge their exposures from time to time with derivatives to try and bring the uh, cost per coin down. So, for example, there's only derivatives on uh Bitcoin and Ethereum, but he is an expert to, you know, at, at doing that. The share itself uh, is, is pretty illiquid, but there are market makers on it. And it's not for anyone that wants a short-term trade, that's for sure. So, you know, this is something, if you want total exposure to the, the crypto universe, you buy this share and come, come and look at it in five years' time. And uh, we'll either all be owning private jets or we'll be worth zero, in which case it, the money's gone, not because they stole it or uh, uh, for anything. It's just that the, end, the, the Bitcoin didn't work out. So that, that, that's, uh, that's got, the got that. essence of the company. Okay. But, but Bron, I'm interested in your, your comment because it, it, it's just opposed to many people that invest in money. That you you understand volatility because ultimately with with derivatives it's it's usually a whilst the derivatives market was developed for actually for insurance purposes and, and low and reducing the risk many people actually buy derivatives to gear themselves and give them exposure and a small movement on whether it be you know a share or an index or or a commodity can result in a, in a very big gain or loss can't it so volatility is very much something you've been used to all your life. That's correct. And generally what we do when, when volatility is high and uh, rats and mice, or as we call it, small people come in and pay the wrong option volatility for options, we'll sell it to them. Right. We'll never, we'll never sell more than, you know, than what we own. So we're always bullish, always bullish. We always want the market to go up. But uh, we will fine-tune our portfolio in order to take advantage of in inequalities that we see in the market, specifically in volatility. So we use that, but th- that is a mi- that is a tool, one of 
20 or 30. The main, the main thing for us is to be long as much as possible so that we can take advantage of the bull market that's coming. Okay. I'd, I'd like just, if you don't mind, extend it out and, and move away just from um, the crypto market because you'll be familiar with the fear index, VIX. And, you know, that, that's, that's a, a, one of the ways in which a lot of derivatives get priced off. And this is, um, if you like, the, uh, one of the tools that sort of professionals like yourself yeah. use when deciding, you know, are people complacent or are they really worried? And we've got VIX. I'm just looking at VIX at the moment. It, you know, it's trading around about sort of 13, 13.47, down nearly 30, 39, well, nearly 40% in the last year. So to put that into very simplistic terms, the way I read it is people at the moment are pretty complacent. They're pretty sanguine. We've seen, um, you know, recently the Dow Jones going on a running streak, the best it's been for you know, nearly 40 years. Everything seems rosy. And, you know, the equity markets are going up. Yeah, bond yields are high. Looks like interest rates have topped out. But it seems to me a bit like the emperor's got no clothes. We've got all these worries about Ukraine. We've got slowing economies. We've got a lot of inflation in the system. So how come VIX is so low? Because basically, it's exactly that. There's, there's no fear. We have the fear from Ukraine. Nothing's happened We've had the fear from inflation. Nothing's really happened other than a couple of people's mortgages have gone up. Uh, we've had the fear from the stock market being too high. It's continued to go. So in essence, you know, there's no, the, 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 this is the time that you should be buying VIX. Not, not, you know, and being a contrarian trader, you, you should be looking to buy it when it's really low rather than buying it when it's, you know, when there's, Fear on the street. So, for example, on the day the war started in Russia and uh, with Ukraine, the yeah. VIX index shot up. That's the day we sold options because right. we we know, you know, that uh, you know, God forbid, besides a nuclear bomb, you know, that the thing things will calm down, specifically in markets. And the more you uh, the VIX is like an elastic band. If you can imagine pulling it. You can only pull it so far before it pulls back or snaps. Yeah. And we are always of the opinion that it'll it'll pull back and not snap. And the times that it snaps, we'll benefit because we'll be long. So let's assume I'll put it in uh, Bitcoin terminology. Say we sold thirty thousand strike falls on Bitcoin, and we would normally get five hundred dollars a coin. When volatility goes crazy, you can get $3,000 a point. So Got basically, then, then what happens is the market goes, the market does nothing, we receive 3000 Or if the market explodes, we will end up having to sell some of our coins to 3000 but we've still got tons more that we could sell at 60000 So it's a win-win for us. And um, that we we use it for insurance, and you know, and 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 my day job is to is to trade insurance for, you know, for the, for the for the institutions around the world, and that's really what I do, is I trade insurance as a day job. But, but um, the underlying asset, but, yeah, but the similarities between, if you like, the traditional markets and the way they operate. And increasingly, as we've seen greater liquidity and institutional adoption, 
you're seeing similarities between that and Bitcoin. Is, is, am I correct saying that? 100%. That's why there's no movement in Bitcoin, and that's why volatility is coming down, because we need new players to come in for the next wave. Got it. You know, everyone that's bought it is exhausted. You know, uh, if you've got your 10 Bitcoin, your five, your one, you're not buying more. Um, so we, we need a new wave. We need some new news to come in. We, we need people to think, get excited about it like they were when it looked like it was going to 100,000. You know, and now it could be the ETFs you're talking about, BlackRock, definitely, 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 definitely. But all that we have now, and and this is what impresses me so much, is bad news. It has not been good news in crypto for a long time. We've got Mr. Gensler with his bad news, we've got uh, FTX, we've got Mount Gox, we can carry on and on and on. You know, we've got the the the, the United States Treasury that's selling, you know, Bitcoin. We've got everybody and the mother that's got negative news to say about it, but it's not it's not behaving like a negative news product. It's just standing, you know, it's treading water, waiting for the next uh, movement. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually up, what, 28% in the last year alone? Uh, 78% in the last six months. Yeah, but still down substantially when I bought from when I bought it. So... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still I'm still as bullish as 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 uh, you know as can be. But uh, you do need you do need the tide to turn, and it feels like you know this is a super tanker. You know we need to turn it around, and it's a slow operation. First you've got to stop it, you then got to put it in reverse, and then you've got to put the you know you've got to the port handles start moving. And once that happens, this is going to you know it's going to. Go to the moon. Or even Mars. Even better. <laughs> James, what you, you're, an, you're an old algo derivative. You love volatility, James, don't you? I, I, I've actually been bored for like the past six months from the lack of volatility, if you ask me. But yeah, um, I applaud you for saying out loud that you bought the top. That's a rare treat from anybody, right? But it goes to show that, you know, you could trade your way out. You could dollar cost average. I'm constantly buying tops. I'm constantly trying to escape from, from the average of, oh, my God, what did I just do? So it's when you're explaining that to people um, that are looking in towards you, they don't touch crypto at all. I absolutely uh, I agree with you. I treat them like equities. Mostly because that's my experience from from the companies that I worked at. But even buy the rumors, sell the news, fear and greed. You know, I'm not really a a TA kind of guy. Equities move from somebody breathing incorrectly. And I think as you outlined, Gessler breathes incorrectly. and And we all run. We all freak out. So I, I think that you buying the top and acknowledging it tells the world that you know you're going to get out of it. You're going to walk out green no matter what because it is so early. And I think earlier what related to me that you alluded to was like this Manhattan in the 1800s. We, Cyber FM threw a concert over by where that tree was, where they first met under that tree to trade stocks in the 1800s. Like the founding of, that's where we are right now. 
you you are on the ex- absolute same page, and you explained it better than than I did. Brilliant. Well, thank you, thank you for those kind words. But uh, at the end of the day, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So we we got to see, you know. And as I say, I, I, that's what brought me on to uh, chat GBT because I the science. Uh, putting a substantial sum of money, my own money, in as a founder of the company, although, uh, and I managed to get my my family and um, my friends that were not skeptics in this as well. So, you know, I've got egg on my face, looking at you know with the best investment I've ever seen in my life, and they're like, "Well, it's such a great investment. Why am I down fifty <laughs> percent?" And, you know, it's difficult, you know, you just have to keep saying, please be patient. You know, um, you know unfortunately, we, you know, we got the timing wrong in the short term, but this is a, you know, big picture, you know, this is a big picture event. And, um, you know, where we're going to be in three to five years time is what's more important. You know, when you, when you, buy, when you buy a house, you don't see the mark to market of it every day. Because most of us would be suicidal if we did. So you only, you know, you buy it and then 10 or 20 years later you sell it. And that's when you realize your value. So the, the problem is, is that people can see exactly how foolish I am in getting them to buy the high. But, uh, you know, I'm convinced that in five years time, the high will be substantially higher than anything we've seen up to now. Got it. Got it. Well, look, Brian, really pleased. We must make sure you come back um, sooner than blooming blo- blo- well, 18 months or whatever, or two, two and a half years even. Um, and um, thank you for... I, I was just intrigued, you know, the way, the way you'd turn to AI to give you a bit of help. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, um, it was some help. But I, I think it also um, highlights the challenges around artificial intelligence. And there's been a lot of chat about it. Um, excuse the pun, but it's um, it's still some way to go. And, you know, let's hope that we see, you know, the ETFs from the various different Black Rocks and Fidelities and Gemini. Let's hope they come to fruition. And um, I think that will have a big impact on, on and, and raise people's awareness in the topic. I think that's something we're because we're not really here to promote investing per se, but get people to look at investments and assets in a different way. So that's the whole object of, of what we do. But uh, But thank you for joining us today. And thank you. James, for getting it all organised. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. We'll speak soon.